Dominic Lawton can be wild. Welcome to the Bad Movie Cult. For 30 years, a sinister secret lay hidden behind these walls. I don't want to have to remind you a second time. Just stay clear of this area. But there is something mysterious about this place that draws him closer to the truth. I'm going down that hallway. I'm going in for a closer look. Stop whatever you're doing! Don't go near the vault! And tonight, that secret is going to come out. The Hobgoblins are back. And they're looking to party. Ken, would you like to give us a little summary of what we're about to review? Well, from what I got from the film, um, a young security guard tries to track down some tiny furry alien puppets who kill people, but also make their wildest fantasies come true. Yeah, which aren't actually that wild when you watch the film. No, and uh, not really sure of what the point of any of it is. I mean, why would they do that? It doesn't explain any of that. They just do. That's 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 tiny alien puppets for you. We um we open the film with uh, Old Man Rivers, uh, or also known as McCready. He's an old security guard, and he's got a young rookie sort of temp, I think. Oh, Dennis. Dennis. Yeah. Oh, Dennis. Dennis annoyed me right from the off. So. Uh... Thankfully, Dennis uh, is not in it for long. Dennis! Dennis! Hey, what gives? You're being paid to work around here, not to sit around and blast your eardrums. Yeah, and so they're basically they're they're looking after an old movie lock. That's what they're guarding, and um, they they go on their rounds. There's a lot of of walking through corridors in this film. There is at one point, McCready, um, he's there. He's having a go at Dennis because you know he doesn't like him. He's uh, he's there. He's listening to his rock music. The old old guys don't like that sort of thing. And uh, he he says, "Will you answer the phone?" Uh, as the phone starts ringing, like like he should have been answering it before somebody phoned up, but he he does answer the phone for him and then has another go at Dennis for not predicting the call. <laughs> yeah, he's like, can you not hear the phone? It's like yeah, it's just it's, started ringing. It's, yeah, it's literally just ringing now. Hey, 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 take it easy. I can do both. Hello, hello. Didn't you hear the phone ringing? Uh, no, I didn't. They've already hung up. Well, then it couldn't have been too important, huh? Don't you have any sense of responsibility? That could have been a very important call. At this hour? In the future, would you just answer the phone, no matter what hour it is, and not make your own decisions about what's important and what isn't? Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's time for our rounds. Yeah, McCready says, did I ever tell you what this studio lot was like? And the guy was like, yeah, more than once, which I think it's his first day, so 
fuck knows how many times he's heard it. Oh, that's Dennis for you. He says, oh, it was the best studio lot in town. And uh, Dennis ignores him and just asks what's down this corridor. Nothing <laughs> is the answer. Um, don't go down there. Which yeah, wouldn't pique anyone's curiosity. <laughs> You'd just be like, oh, okay then. He said, oh, it's just an old film vault, which sounds pretty cool, to be honest. Yeah, it's quite interesting if you were to be working on a, a lot of a film set and a studio and everything. You may be interested in films. Dennis says, well, why don't we check it anyway? And he says, I'm telling you, there's nothing down there. I'm not going to waste my time checking it out. So, so McCready's half-arsing it at this point, And Dennis is actually trying to do his job. Yeah, which, uh, you know, I mean, McCready's the, he's the old veteran of the uh, of the security. We get a bad, bad rep, actually. Security get a bad rep in every film. There's not one good security uh, guard, I don't think, in anything. You you actually did this job, didn't you? Yeah, and that's how I noticed that security guards get an incredibly bad rap in every film. Yeah, you, well, wait a minute, what's this down here? Oh, it's, uh, it's just an old film wall. There's nothing down there. Well, yeah, well, why don't we check it anyway? <laughs> I'm telling you there's nothing down there, and I'm not going to waste my time checking it out. Freddy. What is it now? I need to talk to you now. Well, I can't, right? Finish the rounds. And remember what I said? Whatever you say, Pops. The manager needs McCready. He needs to go and speak to him. So McCready just leaves Dennis to have free reign through the whole studio. You know, he's, he's specifically told him don't go down there and there will be reason to believe that he will instantly go that way. McCready just says, well, I've got to go speak to the boss, so we'll leave you to it. Big mistake. Yeah. Dennis instantly goes into the forbidden zone. He does, yeah. Thank goodness. Um, not really sure what the boss is doing. Uh, why there's a boss in an abandoned film lot, and not, it's not just the security guards there. But uh, we, we'll get to the boss. He's he's just always hanging around. Yeah, in, interspersed with Dennis slowly walking up to this vault, you get a, the shot of the boss in a wooden log cabin. By the look of it, he's in there. That's his office. Basically, he's brought McCready to his office just to tell him how old he is. <laughs> Yeah, he just bollocks him for being old. Yeah. Quite right, too, because it takes him forever to get there for that bollocking. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we get to watch him walk all the way back. My question would be, who who built this precautionary stuff? Why is there a vault in a studio lot anyway? Oh, I used to work for a, in a film vault, and uh, they all had that because it was a protected um, environment. Oh, what, what's it? It is had that... to be ambient, um, so yeah. it had to have uh, not temperature and uh, moisture control. Oh, that's true, because it's highly flammable, isn't it, Phil? It was, yeah, nitrates back in the good old days. Yeah. Does it leak out after a while as well or something? Uh, if it's not correctly uh, packaged, yeah, we had to have metal, metal tins. So when you see the old film cans, the reason was it was because it was, uh, it was made as nitrate film, highly flammable, and if it does catch, you cannot put uh, nitrate out. So this is why we have Ken on this, and it's, it's <laughs> Ken is the perfect person to review this because literally this was literally his job at one point. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was a conservator, in fact, not a security guard. Although I did often sleep on site <laughs> because I moved away and it was too far to drive, so they let me sleep in a porter cabin. No, oh, right, I was going to say, which is why you're not doing the job anymore. No, 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 <laughs> no, no you no, sleeping no. on site. I was sleeping on site with permission. So we've just, so that's fine to be in it. So I apologise to Rick Sloan. That's correct. I was, I was it looked <laughs> well, like a bank vault. I was like, why is that in a studio? We'll probably lot? cut all that out anyway because uh, you know 
No one cares about what I used to do. <laughs> um, and it, everything's easily open. Nothing's locked. He just waltzes straight in. Yeah, even the vault it is literally just, they, he just opens the door. It's, it's a vault, but uh, unsecured in every way. We then get one of the worst scenes of the film where Dennis struts around a, a stage. He basically, his, his dream is to be a, a rock star, I guess. And uh, at no point does he sing. He's got the microphone a lot and he does lots of rock sort of poses, Mick Jagger things. Yeah, but before before any of this, there's never been a mention of that's the plot. Yeah. So so McCready doesn't mention it. Dennis doesn't, you know, he, he does his little bit of drumming at the beginning. But there's there's no there's nothing there to actually connect that this is the point of the film. So he just just starts to like strut about the place like an absolute idiot. I remember when we we watched this together, didn't we? Um, I'd seen it before, and on your first viewing, you were had no idea what was going on. Then, when he just stepped in onto a stage, no, because as I said, that there's no there's no reference to it. Mm. Uh, McCready, however, suspects that Dennis is up to something. He keeps radioing back, and Dennis, um, as in true security guard style, has just popped his uh, just popped his little radio, his little walkie-talkie, just on the floor whilst he investigates further. <laughs> you know, for safety. <laughs> He's just left that behind. So McCready kind of runs almost. It's about the same sort of pace as he walked, but uh, he, he's, he's, his arms are moving faster, so it looks like he's attempting to run back to where where he left poor old Dennis. Yeah, and that, that scene of him on stage just lasts forever as well. Yeah, it, it's awful. I, I really hated Dennis, and I was very, very pleased uh, when he just died. Yeah, we don't do, do we even know how he died? He's just on the floor, isn't he? I think he he just he just, he does a dance um, as 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 you mentioned he he doesn't sing there's no there's no song at all he just kind of like just messes about and um, then I think he just falls yeah he just falls off the stage for no reason whatsoever and and then he's dead yeah and that's the end of Dennis and then we get introduced to the hero of the film and for me the most annoying character in the whole thing well I like the fact that the uh, the old old McCready. Uh, just locks the vault again, and uh, that's that's Dennis's corpse just just locked in the in the vault. He just he just thinks, oh well, I better lock it back up. And apparently, least. Kevin is the third new temp that they've had recently. So, how many bodies are in that vault, and why is no one questioning McCready on these disappearances? No, God, it's like uh, John Wayne Gacy. He had a lot of temps. <laughs> I don't know why I mentioned that. <laughs> Unconnected. It's just everywhere. like John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> Let's cut that bit out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we meet Kevin, who does not own headphones and likes taking notes. He seems very clean cut. And I like that guy. That suddenly sheds a new light on the security guard. Uh, so well done to Kevin. Yeah, I mean, he is the most annoying character, whiny. You're not meeting a hero quite like him in any other film. <laughs> he's so unlikable. Yeah, he is. He's Basically, he's a dick, but he's a different kind of dick to Dennis. Yeah, and, he's kind uh, of pathetic. And, and McCready likes that kind of dick. McCready likes it's, dick. Yeah, but it's <laughs> only a certain kind. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll probably cut that out as well. <laughs> I'm not sure what we're doing here. Uh, McCready wants to show him how to use a gun <laughs> instantly. <laughs> yeah. He just shows him his gun. Yeah, and he, the way he shows him is very odd because he shows him very, very close up to his own face. <laughs> so he just basically just just holds a gun in Kevin's face. Did you have a gun on 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 site? No, I wasn't. I wasn't given one. No, no. But uh, <laughs> that's not a no, Ken. <laughs> no, well, no. Um, 
It's not, is it? I was. I wasn't. It wasn't part of the uh, official uniform. No. No. We. Um, I did have nunchucks and um, shuriken, death stars. <laughs> well, quite right too. Uh, we meet Kevin's frigid girlfriend next in the next scene, where he, he returns home. Um, Kevin's girlfriend hates him. Yeah, and, and apparently everything. She hates everything. She's. Um, I, I my notes just put girlfriend is a bitch. Yeah, she really and is. I, I don't think that that's too harsh. I'm not sure that's too harsh at all. I think it was pretty spot on. And then she's very annoyed that Kevin's friends have turned up. She refers to them as his friends, not her own. I like the fact that he runs over to her to, to greet her at the door. She opens the door. He runs to see her. He goes to give her a, a welcoming uh, hello kiss. And uh, she just instantly says, not now, your friends are here. On the sofa is Kyle and Daphne. Kyle is a is a typical geek that you see in any film. He's got the, the, the high socks and the, the shorts on. He likes phoning premium sex lines at his friend's house in the middle he, of the day. He does, yeah. Which, uh, I don't know, I, th- I think they're aware of it. But it's kind of, well, that's Kyle. Yeah, and then Daphne, who's a sex-obsessed. Yeah, she, she's wearing uh, fluorescent clothing, so she's also a, a, a typical, you know, like from fame era. She's she's wearing the uh, the the gym stuff, and uh, just she's just horrible, really. Everything is sex sex based. Every every sentence she says. I mean, Kevin brings home some films to watch with his girlfriend. How would you bring some new music? No, I just rented a videotape that Amy and I were going to watch. Well, that was very nice. Let me see what you got. What? Don't you ever get any tapes from the adult section? My boyfriend would never bring me a tape that didn't have at least a single X rating. Well, Kevin isn't like that. He would never want me to see anything that was rated X. Would you? No, I wouldn't. Well, thankfully, her boyfriend turns up and... uh... Yeah, he's every much the idiot that uh, would be suggested from that previous line. And he's he's got to be at least 10 years older than everyone else. Yeah, I've got eight years. But, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to split the difference there. He says he's, he's 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 an army guy who pulls up in a van. So like he's in the army and uh, he arrives back on leave. Yeah, I think his name's, is it Paul? I can't remember what his name is. Who cares? And, uh, yeah, he turns up and he starts gyrating. It's like the first time you see him, he's just gyrating on the lawn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when he arrives. So he jumps out of the van and just sort of thrusts himself into the film. All right, Matt. I'd recognize that horn anywhere. That's my Nick, back from two months of army training. And you know what a man wants when he's been away for two months? No, what does he want? Whoa, everybody have sex tonight. <laughs> uh, at that point, the geek decides to go and ring his, his sex line. Yeah, the sex line. And I don't know if this is a real line, anyone out there who uh, wants to ring it. It's, the line is 976 SCAG. <laughs> doesn't sound particularly erotic. but um... the, um, the woman that's working at the, the sex line, I'm pretty sure that's not what those women look like who do that at no. least back in the 80s no her, her name she's claiming is fantasia yeah and um and she appears to be quite beautiful which uh i don't know well i, th- I think back back then it was it was more likely you were going to get a very old woman or maybe even a bloke pretending to be a woman it's just, it's on just those based things. on voice isn't it but uh yeah she's she seems quite quite clean cut actually as though she's actually doing her day job whilst then talking to this idiot Kyle 
Hi, it's me, Fantasia. Thanks for calling. I'm going to see a movie today. It's only rated PG. I want you to show up and make it rated X. Yeah, we got a, a fight scene now. Oh, it, it's it's so intense. Yeah, and it lasts again Far forever. Too long, yes. It's so long. I remember us watching it together. We were looking at each other like, when the hell is this ending? I would rather have watched MacReady walk the corridors of the abandoned film lot again and, and again. And it's about as exciting. There's lots of, literally, this guy is in the army and he fights. That They hold the rakes at one hand either end, classic. Um, yeah, they just go outside for hand-to-hand combat and they just pick up garden implements because that's all they've got, you know, because he's, he's not brought his fighting staffs back because <laughs> in the army that's your main weapon. Yeah. Um, it is if you're Chuck Norris. No, leave Chuck out of this. He, don't, he doesn't deserve to be dragged into this film whatsoever. And every time they clash sticks, you hit, you get that sound effect. And it's horrible. It's a horrible sound effect. And that's it's not the only time you get to hear it either. You hear it again later on. And eventually Kevin loses, uh, which he would because the guy's much bigger than him. About 10 years older than yeah, him. Yeah, we've already said that he's uh, a lot older. He's a lot bigger and he kind of does this. He's had two months training on this, whereas Kevin has just been shown a gun really close up by an old man. Yeah, and you, you would assume that the his girlfriend would be, you know, go and ask if he's okay, but she just bollocks him. Yeah, she just claim, claims to be humiliated by the whole thing, yeah. even though it was her idea. Yeah, and she actually calls him pathetic for losing to the guy. Poor old Kevin. And then Kevin starts whining like a little girl. It's like, just fucking tell yeah. her to fuck so off. Even though like, like she, she was in the wrong, you still hate Kevin anyway. So, you know, he, he just can't do any right, this guy. She actually, the line is, you looked really pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true, but then again, the whole scene was absolutely awful, so well, he wasn't on his own. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Thankfully, mercifully, we get away from these people in that scene and we get to the burglar at the film studio. He breaks in and uh, Kevin sh- shoots the gun into the air. I think he sort of grabs McCready because they see him on the CCTV don't they skulking around <laughs> yeah, he's he's there on his own as uh, most thieves are when they're sneaking around a film lot um, this this thankfully interrupts Kevin whining to McCready about what's happened during the previous scene um, and they, they see him sneaking around he's got a leather jacket on obviously because he's a he's a he's a hoodlum he's a beatnik yeah so he's, he's got his leather jacket on so we know he's up to no good and um uh, the old fella, he's, he's got a little golf buggy. So he jumps in that and he tracks him down, uh, only to discover that uh, this hoodlum's got a knife. Uh, as I said, leather jacket. He's obviously going to have a knife. That's that's the way of the world back then. That's the uniform of the beatnik. Knife, leather jacket, blue jeans. Well, as, as, I, uh, as I found out when I did security, that's the exact uniform that I had to fight against with my nunchucks and shuriken stars. Yeah. <laughs> and he basically, it looks like a starting pistol that Kevin has there, which is <laughs> and then he shoots it up into the air so yeah, proving cause, cause the, the theory. Yeah, says you don't even know how to use that. And he shoots it up in the air uh, and which again, as you said that seems to prove that because he doesn't even point it at anyone. 
<laughs> and uh, the the hoodlum runs away as if thinking, "Wow, he does know how to pull a trigger on a gun," and uh, runs away. Uh, McCready says, "Oh, he's still on the lot, though." Obviously, I don't know how he knows that, but he says he's still on the lot. Let's go and find him. And that's when Kevin starts this film about thirty minutes into it. <laughs> yeah, he he thinks that he may have gone down the corridor towards the vault. Yeah, because he sees the doors open, doesn't he? Yeah, so that, naturally, that's that's the place he's going to go. He's been told not to by McCready, who's, who's part of his uh, opening tour. Yeah, and um, we don't actually see the hobgoblins at that point. We just see their reaction to them running past them. They sort of look down and, and round very quickly. So, again, um, you know, watching this again, it's something I didn't really even think about, but Ken was like, what, what the hell are they looking at there? Because we hadn't seen the hobgoblins up to this point. Yeah, and I, th- I think, I, I mean, I think it just, I said Dennis did this earlier, but it's actually Kevin that leaves his walkie-talkie on the floor. Um, again, as as every good security guard would, so there's no communication whatsoever available now. He obviously didn't take notes on keeping his walkie-talkie with him at all times. No, and I obviously didn't keep notes on who it was that didn't keep his walkie-talkie with him at all times. So, you know, I apologise to Kevin and Dennis there. <laughs> Making notes, not everything cracked up to be. We get a, we had a little backstory on McCready that no one asked for as well. We see a young McCready reading a, a magazine, which I think is a Rick Sloan original. You know how in Hard Tickets to Hawaii we had the guy's previous film up on the wall. Well, the thing that he's reading apparently is a uh, it's something that the director had done previously. So he's reading that. The hobgoblins turn up in a what looks like a toaster or something. Yes, it's like a tiny little cone. Yeah, it's like a little panini maker. And uh, it's got two hobgoblins sticking out the top of it. Which are puppets, quite clearly, just furry puppets. Yeah, they do not move at all. There's no movement in them. Also, um, the fight scenes with these hobgoblins, which we'll get to in a bit, but it's literally um, the actors just moving them about a bit and holding on to them. Yeah, it's like if you were to have a teddy bear and you put it to your neck and then just rolled around a bit. That's, That's what this is. That's what the fight scenes are. Yeah, uh, they escape the lot, and Kevin says, "I'll go after them. You, you stay here, McCready, in case they come back." We do, we do get to see them in a in the cart. They commandeer the golf cart, and um, there's some awful music while they sort of ride around a bit on that. But uh, they're, you know, that's that's pointless as and, well. And that, that's awful. They're totally unmoving, aren't they? Yeah, it's just awful. It's just some again cuddly toys glued to a cart. Was is this? It was this pouncing on the the gremlins. I think so. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a film called Munchies as well uh, that came out after Critters, I think, which was uh, quite a similar thing. Yeah, Ghoulies. That was another yeah, one, wasn't well, it? Yeah, yeah. Unless you're just saying that to me, I don't know if you're referencing <laughs> the film or whether you just wanted to say Ghoulies. <laughs> there was a lot of this sort of rip off of Gremlins, wasn't there? Around that time, wasn't DiCaprio in one of them? I think his first film was Critters or something. It was Critters too, I think. DiCaprio. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we were talking about um, in a previous podcast about famous actors getting their starts in in horror films, and there's another one for you right there, DiCaprio and Critters too. <laughs> After the scene uh, where we see them, we have that flashback. Uh, McCready says that uh, he let them stay, which was a bit odd um, <laughs> from from the, like, the, the film, the the general idea of the film. But he he let them stay uh, probably because they look so pathetic in a little tiny cone in a car park. Um, and then he then he tells us. It's only then that he actually tells us what they do, which explains the death of the idiot Dennis at the beginning. He says they tap into your brain and grant your fantasies. And then he goes on to say it seemed harmless. 
but it destroyed everyone involved. And it was like, that doesn't seem overly harmless, MacReady. That, that seems like the most harm that they could possibly be doing. Uh, and then he, then he tells them that uh, you must kill them. So, so he's now just giving that. You so see, you have to do this now, Kevin, because uh, I, I couldn't be bothered 30 years ago. That's a long time for him not to be bothered to go and kill them as well and just sort of hang around the same part, the same lot. It just begs the question, I, I think you brought it up earlier, of why? Yeah, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, why, why, is the, why is the lot still open for a start after it all closed down, after several people seem to have died? Uh, why is MacReady still employed, even though he's the only one who knows what caused all the deaths? And just, you know, and what are they doing in the vault? Yeah. How are they surviving in the vault? Yeah, and and why why are they granting wishes? What 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 benefit to them yeah, is the, it? What's the point of that bit? What do they get out of it? Nobody knows. We never find out. What's just what's the what's the point of this film, Sloan? <laughs> yeah. Um if you head over to www.badmoviecult.com, you'll see a written review of the vampire film Twilight. Uh, and in that, the vampires have sparkly skin. And it's the same thing I asked in that review of why the hell would vampires need sparkly skin in the first place? It makes no biological sense that they would adapt to have that. And it's the same with these things. Why why are they granting wishes? What what benefit is it to them? It doesn't seem to have any benefit at all. It's, like, it's never explained. I, I, th- I mean, I think Twilight's probably got more to answer for because of the, the budget difference, I, no. I would assume, having never seen it, never willing to ever watch it. Um, I'd assume their budget was far superior to Hobgoblins of 1988. Yeah, Ken outright refused to ever watch it, so it, it fell to me to review it, and there is absolutely no way I'll be reviewing anything else in that series. Mike, it was a fucking pain to, to view that. Um, is it the the house now? Is it that we get to? Um, yes, yes. That was uh, that was after McCready now tells Kevin that it's his responsibility to go and kill these things, even though for thirty years he could have done it very, very easily because he knew where they were. So now, only when they've escaped and nobody knows where they are, um, McCready decides they must be destroyed, um, and points out that they don't like bright lights. There you go. That's uh, that's important later. Yeah, it's the same as gremlins, Probably, isn't it? Probably, or something. Gremlins don't like bright lights either, do they? No, no, they don't. <laughs> and that, that's a fact. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's awful dancing. I don't know, you, you basically cut back and they're all just dancing in the lounge. I guess that's what kids did in the 80s. Is that what you were doing in the 80s? Uh, yeah. Just dancing to generic yeah, pop music. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, the the woman goes outside because she thinks she hears the the army guy again. And in the background, if you look through the window, <laughs> the, the geeky guy's dancing on his own, and it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it, it, oh, it's actually quite annoying. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was hilarious. <laughs> just, I just I just wanted to punch him in the yeah, face until he was dead. It's so bad. And then I'd have probably carried on punching him for a bit to make sure he was dead. Amy, of course, the uh, the bitch girlfriend, uh, she doesn't even like dancing. She doesn't like anything. No, she literally look, likes nothing. No one knows why she's even with Kevin or why she tolerates any of this and just doesn't <laughs> leave him. But Or why she doesn't just kill herself. I don't know. That's when the hobgoblin... I mean, she's out there for a while, isn't she? Even though she hears the, the horn. Yeah, she can see that he's not there because uh, it's not that big a garden that she can't see into the distance. Because as, as we mentioned, we saw him gyrating instantly when uh, he got there the first time. <laughs> 
Yeah, she, she could have just looked out the window. You don't need to go outside. But then she gets attacked by a hobgoblin. For some reason, they've headed straight to Kevin's house. I don't know how they know where he lived. But they turn up at the house and attack her. And this is a classic. Someone off camera just throwing a hobgoblin at her. Yeah, and then, just throwing toys at, at people and uh, then rolling around with them. Yeah, her her just holding it and moving it herself as, as she rolls around on the floor with it. Um. And this army guy, he does end up turning up and he just has no training. He's just useless. He turns into a screaming teenager as soon as they turn up. They're all being attacked in the house, which means they're all now rolling around. The the slot, which I can't remember her name. Daphne. Daphne. Daphne manages to kill her cuddly toy, get it off her neck, and then kills it with uh, the garden implement that they used earlier. And the same sound effects also used for the killing of the, uh, the, the puppet. Yeah. Um they go back inside and in one of the most terrifying scenes ever committed to film, um, they are all attacked simultaneously by puppets and cuddly toys. On on the sofa, aren't they? Yeah, they're all just rolling around on on one single sofa, all three of them. The yeah, the army guy turns up, doesn't Thank, he? Thankfully he turns up and uh, as the army, whenever you're on leave, uh, they do permit you to take any weapons that you may <laughs> want to take. So thankfully he's brought a hand grenade with him. <laughs> Uh, and he just blows up Kevin's house. <laughs> he's got a hand grenade in his glove glove yeah, box. He just goes to get his hand grenade that he's got with him, and he just blows up someone's house. <laughs> he just throws it in the door. They all stand outside, and it explodes. And uh, phew, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. And then. Uh, it, I don't know if it's really elaborated, but the hobgoblins can change how people act. In, when they're sort of in the vicinity, can't they? So the, the somehow, yes, yeah. I think it, I think it's because of the fantasy thing that uh, you know it's how people want to be perceived. So then the, they they change their their behaviour. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't change the behaviour of the geeky guy who, after all this has happened, still rings the sex line. Yeah, the hobgoblins, even though they got exploded in the in the house, and actually just not in the house anyway, because they've they've just run out the other door or something, and and they've trapped them in in army guy's van, um, so now they're just in the van. So he blew blew up Kevin's house for nothing really. I don't yeah, know. does it even blow up the house? Because Kevin turns up to turn the lights on, and that's, that's no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It must be a faulty grenade or something, <laughs> or it's very specific to just puppets. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think Kyle, I think the the geeky guy's name is, he rings a sex line. Fantasia uh, is actually a hobgoblin and says, let's meet up or some bollocks. Well, I've, I've got a little bit of dialogue from this because for some reason this this particular um, role play that Fantasia is indulging in um, is, is about working in a zoo. <laughs> uh, so so she's a zookeeper or something and... Uh, and she says these lines, and I'm not sure whether you'll find them sexy, and I'll, I'll obviously put on my sexy voice for you, but uh, she she says, help me hide this iguana on my body. Which is, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure about that as a sexy line. Maybe, maybe if it was a lady giving you that line, then it'll be all different. But then she says, are you sure your office is in the baboon pit? <laughs> Now, I've seen a lot of films, and uh, I've never heard that line before, and I don't know if I ever will. Again, in a different film, it's incredibly specific and unlikely. Was it a euphemism? I don't know. She's she's still 
attractive. I, don't, I just don't understand what she's talking about. No matter how attractive she is, you'd potentially just say, what the bloody hell are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, if it is a euphemism, girls, don't don't use baboon pit as a euphemism for your... <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not got a great or iguana. image. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've actually totally forgot about that. Thank you yeah, for reminding I, me. I, I don't know if you know if you can hide an iguana on your body. No, I don't I mean, think they're so. They're pretty obvious. Yeah, they're massive, aren't they? Iguanas. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, I don't know whether she made that line up or whether that was written by Rick Sloan. Yeah. Either way, it was shit. <laughs> uh, she turns up outside the guy's house. Kyle fucks off with her to Reputation Road. Yeah, it's just where all the bad guys go. <laughs> yeah, it goes goes in the car, and at that point, the the as we were talking about the hobgoblins change people and how they act. The girlfriend who's been a frigid, sour-faced cow for the whole thing... Sour puss. <laughs> Sorry. Just decides that she wants to go to Club Scum. Yeah, she sees a, an advert in the paper for Club Scum, which uh, sounds nice. Sounds nice enough. It's nice to know Club Scum are on the ball with advertisement. their advertisements. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, we need a dancer. we best get that out in the paper. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, call, call us here at Club Scum. Yeah, uh, we we get, head back to Kyle, and they're they're on they're on Reputation Road. Uh, they're looking over the city. Yeah, it, it's weird because Fantasia now that she, she's appeared now in real life, so she's not just in the office doing a sex line iguana baboon pit uh, skit, but now she's appeared in real life, and uh, she's all dolled up and looks far worse than she did when she was just working in the office. Yeah, very eighties trashy yeah, she, look. She's got massive hair. Um, some sort of like uh, leopard skin, I think. Leopard skin, tight trousers. I mean, she, she just looks a bit of a mess now. She's uh, unusual. And the way that the Hobgoblins decide to kill uh, Kyle is they tell uh, Fantasia tells him to stay in the car. She goes round the back of the car and starts pushing the car over the cliff. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, I'm uncertain as to why they didn't park nearer the edge of the cliff for this scene to have worked a lot quicker. But uh, it's almost like she's got to push him a good 10, 15 meters whilst he's sat in the car, not noticing. Oh, don't park here. Why not? You have to park near the edge if you want to go all the way. Oh yeah, sure. But uh, our hero, Kevin, turns up and hits the hobgoblin who's sitting just randomly next to the car. He hits him with a, his stick, his, his weapon of choice through this whole film. And Fantasia disappears. Um, oh, also, though, you get the stock footage of the car going over the cliff oh, anyway. Oh, yes, yes, you do. Yes, the car does still fall over the cliff because Kevin's saying, look, she was going to kill you. And he's like, what? What are you on about? And then the car falls over. And we get to see a different car fall down a different cliff. Just and, stock footage, and isn't just it? Just blow up halfway down, probably from the A team or something. I don't know. <laughs> Club Scum. Now we've uh, we've reached Club Scum. Uh, it was mentioned earlier. It's a great name for a club if you're going to open a club, uh, and specifically uh, target scum. Then Club <laughs> Scum is is the name of the place you want to be opening. And why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to have a target audience. You're going to look out there, the demographic, what you've got locally. If all you've got locally is scum, uh, you've got to cater for them. And uh, this place does it in spades. Yeah, they arrive there, don't they? Because basically, 
they find out that um, Amy has has gone to Club Scum. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how they find that out. Uh, um, Daphne says, doesn't she? Oh yeah, d- now Daphne, of course, Daphne, uh, you'll we'll find out has frequented Club Scum quite often uh, because everyone seems to know Daphne, which uh, she uh, embarrassingly pretends that uh, she's ashamed of. On the outside, it looks like a biker bar. Yeah, and 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 uh, you know it, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like this terrifying place. They're there queuing up to get in, uh, all looking like they would never go to a place like this. Um, they give their money to Kyle to look after, uh, who's the idiot who keeps ringing Fantasia, who looks like the biggest dick of all of them, and he's robbed instantly before they've even you know they're all still there. <laughs> The guy who's just stood next to them just robs him. And uh, we meet um, Pixie. Pixie's got the biggest hair I've ever seen, um, certainly in recent memory in a film. Uh, very, very, it's reminiscent of uh, Marge Simpson's uh, Beehive. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe watch a Beehive off of the two of them uh, to see exactly who it is. But I think I read somewhere that Marge Simpson is seven foot. Uh, with with the beehive included, a seven foot two. <laughs> um, I've not shared that with Dom before before we've recorded this, but I I have read that Martin, oh, with beehive included, Marge Simpson is uh, he's over seven feet. What tall. the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Be- the- I was not prepared for a Marge Simpson fact of talking about club scum in fucking hobgoblins. <laughs> I know many things. By the way, Marge Simpson is over seven foot tall. <laughs> is that true, though? They, they, they did some apparently, com- apparently so, yes. With the comparison of height of everyone else, that Marge, Marge is over seven feet tall. <laughs> Isn't there something similar to that with Barbie? Like, they did the actual proportions of her and it'd uh, just be... I think, I think I got something about Peppa Pig as well. Peppa Pig's over uh, seven feet. What? Yeah, whereas Daddy Pig... Uh, is is a lot smaller. I didn't like the way you you looked at me when you said "Daddy Pig." <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it's not a name I've shared with you before, no. but it is a name I've used to refer to you. Jesus Christ, it's yeah. Marge Simpson. Anyway, Marge Simpson, yeah, over seven feet tall. Not sure how tall Pixie is. Uh, I don't know if it's relevant. Don't know if it's out there on the internet. Rick Sloan, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> if you ever had a, uh, a measurement of Pixie hair included, let us know. Mm. We get the bouncer who you will remember from Pulp Fiction. He's the he's Zed's sort of mate. When Bruce Willis runs into his shop to hide from, um, is it Ving Rhames? Marcellus. Yeah. What is it, Ving Rhames? Ving Rhames. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Marcellus. Sorry. Yeah. So when Bruce Willis runs in to hide from Ving Rhames, the shop that he runs into, the guy who owns that shop, is the bouncer in this film. And he's called Road Rash. Yeah, not in real life. He's called Road Rash in this film. That's not his real name. <laughs> Maybe it is. Yeah, I'd, I'm not sure which one he'd be putting higher up on his uh, acting resume. Yeah, I know which one I'd be putting but, up higher. Uh, yeah, but yeah, fair, fair play to him for that one. Yeah. <laughs> because he's fucking awful in this one. We get, we then get, again, this is supposed to be some sort of seedy biker bar called Club Scum, but the MC. Glittery jacket wearing MC, very camp. Yeah, yeah, incredibly camp, overly camp. I yeah. think I, I think for any any era 
I he's mean, not, especially the late eighties. I mean, in the late eighties, this this guy would have been beaten to a pulp in in a place like this. Just imagine Kenneth Williams <laughs> in yeah. a glittery jacket. That's that that's what this guy looks like and acts like. Yeah, but nowhere near as good as Kenneth Williams would have done this. Yeah, which is a shame, really. And they, they do they do offer donkey mud wrestling as well on the uh, on the agenda for the club, uh, which if you think about it. What does that even mean? Does it mean two donkeys wrestling in mud? Does it mean humans wrestling donkeys in mud? I thought you were going to go with a classic Kenneth line there of or not, <laughs> like you did with the dick measuring in Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Oh yeah, or or something else. <laughs> yeah, it's never really thought. No, of. I, I think I think they just thought of things and uh, just went for it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, again probably something that might have saved this film if that was in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd have watched it. I'd have watched Midgets Mud Wrestling. Thank you. Um, <laughs> again, there's a they, they, they get seated. Um, Kevin just ruins everything by saying we're underage. I don't know why the fuck Kevin said that to him. No, I, I don't even know why they've got seating arrangements in a CD biker bar. But uh, it looks like a fucking social club, yeah, doesn't they're, it? They're they're in a little social club now. It's, it's like little. There's like red um, covers on the tables. It's yeah, just... it looks quite respectable to be honest. <laughs> I don't know why they call it uh, club scum. Yeah, and also the people they've got in there are not bikers. The the guy on the door looks sort of like he would be fine in a biker bar. Everyone else, it just yeah. looks like the local. It, it, it's Road Rash. Road Rash runs that place. I mean, uh, you, you can tell that, even though the, the compare who, who's actually on the stage uh, seems to run it. Uh, Road Rash actually throws something at him and shouts, get on with it. He does, yeah. Like, he, he owns the like, place. Like, he's actually owning it. It's, it's, it's a complicated uh, hierarchy in club scum. We get a, a full song as well from the band playing. Yeah, no, now, in the opening credits, which we, we didn't mention, I, and I've, I've told you before that I do like opening credits that has a uh, with, and it's somebody you've never heard of, and then it, it throws in an and, and it's somebody else that you've never heard of. This film did that, and the and was and the Fontanelles. Which sounds a bit like it would be a sort of doo-wop band. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... I don't know if you know what a fontanelle is, but a fontanelle is the soft spot on a newborn baby's head. Ken, you're full of interesting facts today. <laughs> it's just what I do. I've accumulated many <clears throat> facts in my years. I will say that that isn't a fact that we watched it, Ken looked up and got back to us on. We watched this live together and he fucking <laughs> told me what a fontanelle was at the time. This is something Ken has stored in his, in his brain. I do. I, I, I store many things. Yeah, most of them are uh, totally useless, and um, and this was useless until this point. Ken, would you like to describe the Fontanelles for me? The band or the actual soft spot on a baby's head? Well, let's go with the band first and okay. see how we get on. I think a soft spot on a baby's head explains itself. Uh, the the band, um, mm, yeah. Have you ever if you've heard or seen anything from the 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 band The Damned, then you'll know what they look like. And if you've heard anything by the band The Cult, you'll know what they sound like. So <laughs> it's a bit of a mixture of the two. It was 1988, I suppose. It was heyday for both. Um, but worse than both. Wor worse than if you listened to both The Damned and The Cult together uh, and couldn't hear anything, it would be better than what The Fontanelles have brought you. 
and the, it's a full song you yeah, listen yeah. to. Yeah, you don't even. It's not even like a little montage bit. It's just the full song where we focus primarily on them and performing that. The actors of the film are just sitting there in the foreground, staring at them, unmoving, not even going with the music. Everyone's yeah, just, just staring just, at just them, watching them. Yeah, God, that, I mean, this goes on forever, and it's like is that a four minute song? And it's it's repeating the same line, I think. Yeah, it, it's it's quite uh, it's quite a dull moment. Not really what you'd expect from Club Scum. Apparently the Fontanelles had quite an underground following. Uh, never heard of them. Glad I've never listened to them before. They should really have stayed underground. Beehive woman, what's her name? Pixie. Pixie comes over, asks them if they want drinks. Um, Kevin says we're underage, and uh, Road Rash goes to kick them out. But again, he sees Daphne, and uh, she starts doing sort of la- um, sort of pig Latin to him. Yeah, um, da- Daphne's not attractive. No, I'm going to point that out because in, in case you think because she's got the role of the slut that uh, she is, but she's she's just not. She looks a bit like um, Saved by the Bell, uh, the woman from Showgirls. What's that? What's that show? Elizabeth Berkeley. Mm. She looks a bit like a kind of, like, if you couldn't afford to get Elizabeth Berkeley in something, you get this woman. We, we basically, we get... Um, in Showgirls, of course, uh, Gina Gershon. Oh, here uh, we go. My, my favourite, my favourite lesbian. <laughs> Join Ken's new podcast, My Favourite Lesbian, every week. <laughs> Where I discuss the work of Gina Gershon. I thought this was this was the episode where I throw some facts in. Fucking hell. <laughs> she is. What what was the point? Go on. No, she is my favourite. All right. Lesbian, Gina Gershon. <laughs> I know. How dare you? How dare you question that? How what dare, question how dare you? you throw other lesbians at me and uh, <laughs> try and Try and query my allegiance to Gina. How dare you throw other lesbians at me is a sentence <laughs> I'd never thought I'd hear you say to me. No, it's, uh, it was uh, my solo album after we split. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it was something I tried. What, 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 what was the point you were making, or did you just want to bring up Gina Gershon? Well, you Showgirls. mentioned Elizabeth Barkley. You, know, you, you brought it up, not me. Yeah. What else is she in, Gina Gershon? My dreams. Mm. Out for justice. Of course she is, yes. Yeah, She's the, the sister, isn't she? Fantastic. She says, she yeah, a, yeah, Gino, I can still get it wet. I was going to say, she's got the, the best it's, line of the uh, film. It's an unusual line. And even Seagal sort of <laughs> just looks at her like, okay. Um, I liked it. We get uh, Amy giving us a... She's also in... Uh... <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> okay, carry on. We get Amy who Killer gives Joe us... Killer Joe with Matthew McConaughey where she, uh, she gets her vagina out. Very hairy vagina. <laughs> you done? <laughs> I think it's additional hair. Uh, with it. She's wearing a merkin. I think. We get Amy. I'll have to watch it again later and uh, <laughs> just zoom right in and just check. Join us next week for the update on that. <laughs> Ken zooms in on merkins. <laughs> Special episode. <laughs> just for Patreon. Make sure you sign up. You don't want to miss out on this content. Oh, yeah, that's not for free. Absolutely no way, Jack. Okay, can I carry on? 
I don't, I don't know. It depends what you're going to say. <laughs> Amy. Mm, yeah, I've got nothing. Okay. She gives us a burlesque performance who... It's actually even less sexy than, than Tim Curry's burlesque performance in yeah, Rocky Horror. And she does resemble Tim Curry as well. She's got very large, large permed hair. Uh, no visible breasts. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no obvious breasts. <laughs> Your Honour. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just oh god, it's horrible. This this whole scene Hang is on, horrible. Which bit of that we're going to cut? Probably all of it. Uh, the army colonel turns up just out of nowhere, and um... uh, he's a sergeant. Oh, I, does he say that? Does he? Well, yes, yes, he does. All oh, right. The army sergeant turns up. All colonel, not sure. <laughs> it doesn't say. Fuck. Um, <laughs> and um, the army guy uh, stands to attention. Um, he gives him a, a bandana, a red bandana to, obviously, Rambo connotations, an Uzi, uh, bullets. It's, it's, it's probably the worst tooling up sequence in any film you'll ever see. And a grenade, of course. Sergeant Crawford, what are you doing here? Hey, Private. I'm out on a weekend pass. I hear Pixie's working tonight. You go out in public in full uniform. A real soldier dies with his boots on. Yeah, and then the army guy just goes on just skulking around, rolling around, that sort of stuff. And and I believe this this is supposed to be his fantasy. You've got the Amy bit where she dances around like Tim Curry. and uh, <laughs> Everyone's I, fantasy. And I think that's her fantasy, where she's suddenly not such a bitch and uh, she's just enjoying herself uh, and free. Uh, th- this is the army guy's fantasy where he's he plays basically the Rambo character. Yeah, and he's just... But the least like Rambo... It's like if a child tried to be Rambo, this is what they would do. You know, they're sort of skulking around with the gun held and rolling under tables and things like that. Um, and then the hobgoblins run amok in club scum. Yeah, which which is unusual because nobody seems to react to it at all. None of the other patrons of the uh, the the esteemed... Club scum seem to care that this is going on. Yeah, you get random shots of like um, the extras and and the hobgoblins turning up and scaring them, and they're all just sort of laughing. They're having a good time. Yeah, they're not, but it's, it's like they don't even notice they're there. Amy decides then that she wants to have sex with the the guy from Pulp Fiction, Road Rash, um, and um, Kevin tries to stop in the most pathetic way possible and uh, just gets beaten up by Road Rash instantly. Which is fair enough, because, you know, you know how we feel about Kevin. Yeah. Similarly, the army colonel slash sergeant uh, wants to have sex with um, Daphne, for reasons unknown, and uh, he says, let's get rid of your boyfriend, and and throws a grenade on the floor, and uh, the army guy decides to jump on it. Yeah, which is exactly what he would do, because he says, he says, Nick, save the troops. So he, he... throws himself on top of this grenade which uh, explodes and sets him fully on fire <laughs> he is fully on fire yeah he's, he's totally on fire which i'm guessing is where the budget went must have this, been because it, it's a it's a man fully aflame from head to toe uh, staggering around inside a social club and you can tell they spent the budget because of how long you see this image yeah, for. yeah they, they really make the most of this um and quite rightly so and yeah, and again, nobody seems to care. No, no one, no one's bothered about this. It's just carried on watching. 
I don't know whether the Fontanelles are doing another song at this point. Um, Let's hope not. <laughs> the uh, they basically they, they get rid of the the hobgoblins in Club Scum. Um, everyone returns back to normal, except for you. Assume Nick's dead, to be honest, because he's fully aflame. Then we go back when, when we're with McCready. Um, you may remember the leather-clad hoodlum from before, uh, who pulled the knife. Uh, Kevin shot into the air, and he ran away with his tail between his legs. Well, he turns up again. He's back on on the lot. And uh, when Kevin turns up at the lot, I'm not sure why he turns up. I think it's just to try and finish this once and for all. So he goes and sees McCready to find out what the bloody hell he's going to do. And this leather-clad punk turns up and gives Kevin some nunchucks and demands they fight. <laughs> and at this point, you think, what the hell now? And it, it, I think this is now Kevin's fantasy. And this is where it turns, you see, because uh, everyone dies apart from Amy. She didn't die from her fantasy, but uh, you know, you get the idea. And then they have some really, really bad nunchuck fighting scenes. It's clear that the the guy who plays the beatnik has some sort of he's used nunchucks before, I guess, because it, it doesn't look too terrible the way he's moving them uh, about. Unless he's been given them an hour before and said, "Watch this video of Bruce Lee, and then try and do something." Yeah. It's it's not awful, is what I'd say. It's not like he has it, never. He could have sped the film up a little bit at the point though, That's to make true. it look a little bit more impressive. Yeah, but what the point I'm getting at is, you you would assume maybe he knows his way around him. That is instantly dispelled when he attacks Kevin in the slowest. <laughs> he sort of runs at him with them just over his head. Yeah, <laughs> use, using none of the flexibility the nunchuck offers you. But you do get the same sound effects um, as the garden tools from two previous scenes where uh, when they clash, they just make that same sound effect. It's an awful sound effect. Yeah, so we, we we get the pleasure of watching that nunchuck fight, which is just awful. And uh, Kevin somehow gets the upper hand on him, which, considering what Kevin's done in this film, doesn't speak too much towards the beatnik and his prowess of being an actual tough guy. And uh, he basically pulls a gun out of his sock and aims it at Kevin. Kevin then cowers, <laughs> which mm. is always a good look for your hero. He cowers. Uh, his mates are all just standing by watching. You hear a gunshot. And uh, it's McCready. McCready's turned up and he shot the Hobgoblin, who's, again, you actually don't see this until afterwards, but the Hobgoblin's there. McCready shoots the Hobgoblin and then the beatnik disappears. Because it was all just a fantasy. Yeah, and then the Hobgoblins run back to the vault. Yeah, and and then and then it comes like that um, the obvious thing to have done 30 years ago uh, is now going to happen. Kevin says, oh, I'll take over from you and look after these these things again and make sure no one releases them. And, and uh, McCready just thinks, fuck it. Yeah, let's just blow them up. Yeah. He says, Kevin, did I ever tell you what I did in the war? Um, Kevin's like, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know when old people say that to you and you just go, oh, God, go on then. I remember he said, Kevin, did I ever tell you what, you, what I did in the war? And you said... You quipped, you quipped nothing. <laughs> you probably I did. did nothing. <laughs> I uh, hid. I hid like a woman. <laughs> no offense, women. No, you women, you didn't hide during the war, did you? you God, no. You, you contributed exactly as usual. Didn't you? God bless every one of you. Um, 
he says munitions and then blows the whole fucking building up. Not just the vault, the whole building. Yeah, which, again, 30 years too late, MacReady. Several people have died uh, that didn't have to, uh, even if they were all idiots, which we accept they were. But MacReady could have saved lives. Uh, so that's obviously not something he did in the war. He just blew things up 30 years too late. Well, here's the thing. This is a horror film. There is no horror in it. Is there any deaths in this? Oh. We say, we say people have died, but I don't think there's a single death in this film. Oh, oh, Dennis. Dennis at the beginning. Oh, of course. Dennis fell off a small stage and, I totally and, forgot and, about and Dennis. perished. And if he didn't perish, then MacReady locking him in the vault would have finished him off. Because <laughs> yeah. he's been in there for who knows how long I without medical attention. He didn't even water. check him, did he? No, he just he just shut the door. <laughs> so maybe MacReady's the only murderer in this. Maybe this is all happening in his own head, like identity. Oh my God. Spoilers, if you've not seen identity. Um, yeah, because... Yeah, so yeah, he does die actually. Yeah, you're right because the guy you would expect to have died then just turns up randomly and he's he's got a limp and he's got a bandage on his arm. That's Nick who uh as you may remember uh burned to death. He was fully on quite, fire quite lengthily. Covered uh, head to toe on. in flame. Yeah. Yeah, and like a Jason Voorhees I'm fully on fire. Uh Michael Myers fully on fire. You know you know when you get the but they're already immortal. Hmm. You get that, yeah. They, they can't be killed. This guy's just some idiot who was in the army for two months. Do you know how they do that effect? They they fully on yeah, fire. They just burn them. <laughs> the stuntman, it's a one and done. Yeah, and just get another stuntman in. It is impressive. I don't know how they worked out how to do it. But it's, it's a suit. It's a flammable suit that they wear. Fully on the head yep. suit. What the hell's it made of? Asbestos or something? Uh, well, no, they, they, wear, they wear like anti flammable stuff inside but yeah, uh, yeah then, they, then they put just like lighter fluid on the outside yeah I think I actually or saw it's, it's a substitute it's not it... just lighter fluid it's not as easy as that so don't, don't go and just try that out there. <laughs> I think I saw was it in one of the Freddy films where he gets set fully on fire yeah yeah he gets set on fire a few times actually yeah, yeah I think I saw I can't believe I missed Freddy out there at the uh... yeah I think I saw how like the, the actual shooting of that it's, it's just it looks fucking dangerous man. it's got to be one of the more dangerous stunts to do but well, it um, is. It's, it's 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 that's why it's so highly paid. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I said the budget had gone on this. It's it's like the full the full aflame yeah. stunt is. Uh, yeah, it's obviously life threatening. Uh, Rick Sloan teases us with the fact that the geek gives Daphne some flowers, and she says no one's ever given me flowers before. And he says I, there's other things I could give you that you've probably never had, which I highly doubt. Looking at him, um, and, looking, and looking at her. Yeah, and that yeah, and uh, that's and then she instantly just tells him to fuck off because Nick turns up with his bandage on, even though he was fully on fire at one point. And then they go in the van and start shagging. Oh, the van starts moving around violently. McCready gets uh, he rings the boss who's at home now asleep, even though three minutes earlier he was still at the lot, and tells him that the fire started. I mean, it's not an airtight alibi. <laughs> I mean, there's there's more likely than not McCready's going to get sent to prison for this because. There's no evidence of, of Hobgoblin activity. He's just been fired and he blows a lot up. So I think McCready's going to prison. He should do anyway, really. Yeah. It's, it's all his fault. And uh, then uh, the final little 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 joke, I guess you could call it, is uh, that the geek wants to use the phone because he wants to use the sex line, I guess. Now's a good time to ring Fantasia again. Yeah. 
And then Fantasia's actually on, isn't she, during the credits? After the credits where she says something absolutely bloody pointless that I didn't even write down. No, I didn't write it down either. No, but I, I do remember she is on after the credits. Yeah, so that, that joke of can I use your phone is the end. Also, Amy then suddenly decides that um, Kevin is amazing and she loves him so much for cowering at any opportunity and literally doing nothing. And that's the end of the film. And uh, to play us out, we get a Fontanelle song, which uh, again plays through the credits. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even sure if it's the, just the same song again. It might as well be. I'm assuming it is. It's uh, you know, it's that unmemorable that it could just be the same song again. And that's the end of the film. I mean, this is this is one of our shorter reviews, but to be honest with you, nothing really happens in the film. <laughs> no, I, I mean, by all means, go out and watch it. Please, yeah, please do. I mean, it's on YouTube, so it's free to watch if, yeah. you, if you fancy putting yourself through this. It's more visually, it's, uh, I don't know why the hell we've covered this film, to be honest. <laughs> I think it's because we needed the material. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's certainly something all right. It's got, it's got a, a bit of a cult following, which a lot of our films that we cover do, but at the end of the day, it's awful it's it's a terrible film but it has its comedy moments if it, it, like like we did we actually watched this together as Don, as don mentioned earlier and um if i'd have sat and watched this on my own at my current age um i would have probably turned it off quite soon and i say that and i i, I also think i probably wouldn't but i'm gonna say that just for the purpose of this this ending Dom's just fallen asleep. He's sick of he's sick of the whole thing. I just threw the microphone yeah, down. He's, he's having none of this. But no, if, if, get get your friends round. If you if you're going to watch it, don't watch it on your own, okay? Because uh, that's that's suicide. <laughs> <laughs> right there, right there. It's it's the worst thing you could possibly think of doing. So get get a few drinks in. Get your friends round. Watch Hobgoblins. Watch Rick Sloan in his prime. Watch this guy from. Pulp Fiction just debase himself in every professional manner he can. I think there's actually a drinking game online about this, so just do that if you're going to watch it alone, like I did last night. <laughs> I was watching it. Yeah, and he didn't commit suicide, so you'll scrap that suicide uh, the motif. Maybe I did. Oh my God. Um, That's just typical of you. Yeah, uh, as I would say, and I think Ken is right, I think this is definitely a film that you could it's better watched with someone to laugh at. I think you have to watch it. I think talking about it, you you probably make it sound a bit better than it is. Uh, obviously, you could abbreviate a lot of what we've just said down to uh, it's puppets and um, they do stuff and it's club scum and blah, blah. But that's the film we chose. So, you know, live with it. Live with it, you bastards. Yeah. This Jesus is free Christ. anyway, you yeah. fucking... Jesus Christ, it's, not, it's free for you. It's not free for us. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Start ranting. Up. <laughs> you know how much you owe us <laughs> just for this. <laughs> this this uh, hobgoblins is free on YouTube to watch. So you know, I would definitely, I would definitely recommend watching it, it, it with a friend, especially as it's free. I would definitely not recommend paying for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Ken's life motto. <laughs> <laughs> it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Okay, it's now time for the film pitch, uh, Ken. What have you got for us? Well, obviously basing it on uh, the Hobgoblins um, aspect of things, I've come up with the Cockwombles. Uh, Cockwombles 3. 
We're going to start straight in with the third one of the franchise. Um, what? I'm anticipating <laughs> that there will be a clamour for, where are the other two? I haven't seen the previous two films of the Cockwombles series. Uh, and that's because there aren't any. We're going to start with the third one. Uh, people will want to see the first two. And then we go back and we, we make them as prequels. Oh, like George Lucas. You've gone the Star Wars route. Oh yeah, then okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That, that's the route I went. Yeah, yeah, but with a more plausible <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think mine will interest people a little bit more than uh, whatever film you said. I can't remember what you mentioned there. Star Wars. Yeah, whatever. And <laughs> um, I, I think mine has, has got more more accessibility for the viewer. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm in a in a shop and I see Cockwombles, <laughs> the DVD, <laughs> Cockwombles three. Yeah. I'm picking it up. Yeah, well, a lot of people would. You ne- never, never. If you ever see a cockwomble, don't be afraid to pick it up. <laughs> uh, what's the plot for this film? Well, I've got a subheading. It's uh, Cockwombles Three: uh, The Wombled Tit. <laughs> okay, is it a bird? No, <laughs> no, it's irrelevant um, to the to the film. The uh, the subheading's irrelevant. Okay, it's just a, a I headline just, I just, grabber. I just liked it. I just liked it when I wrote it. I thought <laughs> I thought I liked that. The okay. wombled tit. Okay. Uh, the the cockwomble is basically a a hairy version of the female gremlin uh, right. that uh, we all fell in love with when we saw it for the first time. The thought, female gremlin gets more more airing on this podcast <laughs> than it did in the it, film. It was quite sexy. Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I think I'm sure everyone agrees it was a sexy thing, as far as puppets go. <laughs> I'm sure they would. Yeah. Right in if you agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just don't report it to the police. Okay, carry on. Um, what happens with the cockwombles? They um, they emerge from from men's trousers and <laughs> and wreak havoc, and that that's that's all the plot I've got. <laughs> How the hell are they in men's trousers? <laughs> because they are okay. Well, I've kind of got more plot then. They are um, they alien disease caused and transmitted by unsafe sex. Oh, yeah, yeah, having a little bit of a. It's a social commentary film. Yeah, Wombles Three. I think it will look possibly be shown in schools. Yeah, as warnings to the children. What's what's the film that's the the that's passed on from? Having sex, the what's the film that's passed on from having no, sex? No, the, the the premise is you get you get killed by uh, something. It, it, it follows, follows. yeah. Yes. So it's it's sort of it follows, but with cockwombles in it. Yeah, which I think it makes it more accessible because uh, it's a bit of fun and also great merchandising. All the kids are going to want a cockwomble, aren't they, for Christmas? <laughs> oh, that, that's what I keep telling kids. <laughs> God, I hope you don't. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, well, obviously, I've got a cast. All right, I've go. got a cast for the film. I've not got much of a plot, as I've already just read out. But uh, the cast is: I've got a couple of high school kids, and uh, I, I went with the classic night uh, like kids actors, Miko Hughes and uh, Dakota Fanning, who I believe <laughs> are in their early teens. They're probably. 30 plus at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> Miko Hughes, for people who don't know, is the <laughs> child from Pet Cemetery, Kindergarten Cop. That's right, yeah. Uh, and Dakota Fanning is the, the child in every Hollywood film in the early 2000s. Man on Fire. 
Man on Fire and um, yeah. Hide and Seek. I think. Yeah, De Niro's horror film. Yeah, so I, I think that well, there must be about 15, 16 by now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I've got no, I've got no relevance of time in, <laughs> in any of my films. So yeah, I think they're the high school kids. Um, they're the ones that are in danger, obviously, of transmitting the cockwomble. Um, nice little, little look at maybe the coronavirus as well. Very timely. Well, we're in a, just pandemic. We're in a know? difficult time, aren't we? We're in a difficult time, and and when more relevant than than throwing in a cockwomble. Yeah, cockwombles have, have never been more relevant than right now. Yeah, and that's what's really scary, because <laughs> this is fiction, but it could so easily be fact. <laughs> it could easily be fact. This is so plausible. <laughs> right, what else you got? <laughs> well, I've got uh, Steve Gutenberg from the police. <laughs> Are you okay, Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's he doing? Uh, well, he's a cop, obviously. Cause was... He's from Police Academy, so uh, he's he's graduated from the academy, <laughs> as, as you well know. Oh, sorry, I was just taking a drink when he mentioned Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg is uh, is a cop. He's still on the beat. Can can I ask who his his chief of police is? You, you can, but wait until I give you his partner first, because uh, Steve Gutenberg and Jennifer Aniston. Is his partner? Um, that's his partner. Yes, they're 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 both on the case of the cockwomble. Uh, what a what a great what a great on screen pairing. Well, <laughs> I, I thought about it and I thought he he's well known, of course, from being a cop from his police academy escapades. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, um, probably looking for work. Yeah, I mean her return after Leprechaun, the, the yeah, horror, yeah, the horror yeah, genre. She, she owes it, so she's coming back. Um, maybe even get the same director, same writing team. I don't know, um, and, and they're involved. They're involved in this. Uh, he's still a beat cop because you saw what antics he got up to in the academy. So he's he's, he's never about, progressed. He? Yeah, he's yeah. never really progressed. Um, is he called? Is he still called? Is it Mahoney? Mahoney. Yeah. Is he, he is. called that in this? Yes, he is. Yeah. So this is Police Academy Twelve. Okay, then we'll call him Maloney. Uh, Baloney. We'll call him Mahoney. Maloney Baloney. Uh, he's he's known as the Baloney. The Baloney Sandwich. Yeah. That's that's his nickname in this. <laughs> yeah, if if that's what you want, uh, Jennifer Aniston. I haven't got a name for her yet. Uh, maybe Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. she's called Jenny, and he's called the Baloney. <laughs> the Baloney. <laughs> it seems like it seems plausible. Yeah, it is. It's decent police pairing. So anyway, Jenny and the Baloney Sandwich. Uh, <laughs> Head on to the high school. That was one of our album names, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as popular. It wasn't yeah, as popular, though, was it? We, we, we hit that. It was, well, we went folk. Very and, unpopular uh, with vegans. Yeah, we went folk, didn't we? And that was the vegan market. So, uh, yeah. Was, the vegan market was... Uh, <laughs> it was where we sold the album. <laughs> it was really bad planning on our part. Yeah, yeah. We, we've only got ourselves to blame. Uh, the police chief, of course, is played by Carl Weathers. Of course uh, he is. As himself. Who's uh, who's really he's desperately trying to find out what's causing this cockwomble uh, outbreak? <laughs> <laughs> and Carl Weathers uh, also plays the father of Dakota Fanning. Get me baloney sandwich, and then his his uh, his his um, secretary doesn't know whether to give him actually a baloney sandwich or get Gutenberg involved. Yeah, uh, his secretary is played by. Um, 
um, uh, the the woman from Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's who I was trying to think was of, it? but I couldn't remember. Yeah, I can't remember what her name is. Yeah, yeah her. Yeah, she's the one that uh, hits the buzzer and shouts, we we got one. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she does, actually, when he says, get me bologna sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> she, and then she maybe winks to the camera as a little, uh, remember that, Janine. Janine. Yeah, I just thought of that whilst yeah. we were talking. Yeah, Janine was, from Ghostbusters. Yeah, It saves me messaging you later with uh, Janine and then several exclamation marks, <laughs> yeah. like I do when I can't remember things. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Janine from Ghostbusters uh, is his secretary. Uh, and I can't really think of anything else that Dakota happens. Fanning is white. Well, I don't know if that's relevant at this point. Didn't you say? Yeah, she's Carl Weathers' daughter, yeah. I think we live in a world where that's not important. Okay, carry on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So her name is what's her name in the film? Um Dakota Weathers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, so Dakota and uh Dakota Weathers and Miko Hughes as um it's Chad Ch- Chad Hogan. No, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. Chad Fletcher. Yeah, that's better. Mm. Is this just men that can get cock wombles or women? Well, no, no, it it, it comes from men, obviously, um, due to the the name of the beast. Yeah, well, it comes from outer space, but it's it's yes, spread. But it, but it emerges from men's trousers. Right. So women can carry it, but they don't show signs. No, they, of they, don't, they don't. But they can transmit it. Right. Into other men's trousers. So Carl Weathers can say, my daughter has a serious case of the cockwombles. <laughs> he does say that, actually, in this film, to Janine from Ghostbusters. <laughs> and, uh, and she alerts... The bologna sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone off the rails, this bitch. <laughs> Who's taking this film on? <laughs> Steve, thanks for meeting with us. Um... We want you to play the bologna sandwich in this film. <laughs> I think he'd do it. I think he probably would at I this point. I think he would if his partner's Jennifer Aniston. I'd do it. Yeah. Jen, we want you to play the partner of a bologna sandwich <laughs> in this film. Are you interested? It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Who's playing Cockawomble 1? Warwick Davis. Yeah, obviously. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Le- the legendary Warwick Davis. He's he's got Cockwomble number one. Might even give him a, a, a different name, an actual character name rather than just that. Is he the Wombled Tit? Yes. Yeah, hi, hi, War- hi, Warwick. Hi, Warwick. Thank you for meeting us. We want you to play the <laughs> Wombled Tit in Cockwombles 3. We've, we've got Steve Gutenberg in. He's going to play a bologna sandwich. I can just imagine the fucking. He's already signed. <laughs> he's already signed up. He's he's ready. He's he's a method actor, so he's looking into literally he's looking, looking into bologna into sandwiches. He's literally looking into sandwiches at this point. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's uh, that's my cast. Um, obviously, there'll be extras. It's, it's not just one cock womble, but he would be the womble tit. That was the um, uh, that was the tagline. For uh, the second film of the Cockwombles, wasn't it? It's not yeah. just one. It's not just one. Yeah, I yeah. like it. But we'll get to that. We'll, we'll go back. Obviously, we'll regress with with time. And uh, but with with the beauty of starting with episode three is that we we get the ending already, so we know where to work up until. That's it's smart. That I think we need to get in touch with our old friend Lloyd Kaufman 
for uh, Uncle Lloyd. I think he he is going to want to make this. This seems like a trauma film to me. And I think that the fact we start with number three, it's got to appeal. It's got to. In this crazy world we live in, who wants order? Who wants it? Who wants a bologna sandwich? Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> Have you got anything else <laughs> written down for this? Or is this is this is what we're going to Lloyd Kaufman with? Is to be it? Honest, I haven't got half of this written down. This is to, this is to, just. To be honest with you, this is probably better than a lot of the pictures he receives. Yeah. Well, so, what, what do you think? I think we need to get Uncle Lloyd on the phone and see if we can make this happen. Yeah. I think Aniston might be a stretch. Okay, then Jennifer McCarthy. Yeah, she'll do it. Let's just thinking of other people called Jennifer. Yeah, that's that's where I was going with that one. Yeah, she'll probably do it. If we can't get Aniston, we'll just got Jennifer Lopez, but uh, she's probably way off budget. Yeah. Plus, there'd have to be a sex scene if she was in it to prove she's still attractive. She I think, is, by the way. I mean, I've seen films with her. She is. It's just unnecessary sex scenes. Well, in 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 cockwombles. Oh, yeah, that's handsome. <laughs> well, if it's trauma, we're definitely going to have some, aren't we? So we're, we're heading straight to the Troma Studios, wherever the hell that is. <laughs> with this, with this, yeah, somewhere, yeah, yeah it's, mm, it's not that big. It's, it's somewhere, def- definitely in America. I like it. You want to add anything else, or is is that are we booked it? We're we're on the the, the plane over to. I, I think I'm going to sign that off right there and uh, just hope for the best. Uh, yeah, you know, you you shoot off now. Get in touch with Lloyd, and I will say thank you for listening yeah, to just just one. Yep. Okay, right. Thank you very much. I'm I'm going right now to America and uh, Cockwombles 3. See you later. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> and all that's left for me to say is thank you for... Li- <laughs> and there he goes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bad Movie Court podcast. Hopefully, Ken will be back next week. So for me, Dominic Lawton, and for Kenby Wilde, yes. we will see you next time. Tonight. <laughs>